is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As our host Brandon, joined by none other than Matt Law himself, the Matt Law Pod special. Been busy, sir, haven't you? And it's not even July. No, it's kind of ruining my summer a little bit. I've got to admit, I teed myself up for a quiet summer this year. I think you know that I'm not going on the Chelsea tour. I was, I was really planning a summer of relaxation uh, between the World Cup and the Euros next summer. And uh, every day feels a bit, today is not so much actually, but every day for a while has felt a little bit like transfer deadline day. I am shocked that you are not coming to welcome with open arms your new favorite Chelsea manager, Matt. Over here, stateside, Pochettino. Well, I think I think he's, I would have I would have been tempted to reverse my plans had he um, not been doing any press in England beforehand. But I think he's going to do a little bit of media in in England beforehand. So I will get to see him as Chelsea head coach beforehand. I think. And I and I do remember that last summer, especially when we were in Vegas and you know we were mountain time and all that. Your guys' ability to cover things was so difficult because of the massive time change uh, between you know London and here. I do remember that being a big just hurdle and challenge for you and Naz. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult. I mean, I think this time that might be a bit easier just because I think most people are going to be working for Chelsea on on US time while they're out there. Last time. It was all a bit muddled because there was a lot of people. Obviously, there wasn't any sporting directors and there were people doing things through different time zones. And, yeah, it got quite complicated coverage-wise, particularly with transfers from, obviously, from from Europe because uh, things were happening while we were all asleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that challenge of the tours, that is a big challenge of the tours. I think this tour will be quite gruelling as well, from what I hear. I think it's lots of flights in and out of Philadelphia, Um Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I don't, I don't think it will be uh, easy on the guys covering it. I'm sure they'll do a brilliant job. Oh, well, well, we'll do our best right now as we have a lot going on, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, Matt. Um, it has been a busy week. Uh, you had actually just tweeted this out, I think, like within the last... Nope, this one is older. Anyways... Um, Chelsea agreed the Kovacic deal that's announced. Kovacic even posting in Manchester City. Uh, N'Golo Kante is gone. Kaladu Koulibaly has gone. Um, we've got, uh, technically Bakayoko has gone. Uh, but that, he was a part of the release list. And then I feel like, who else? Oh, essentially Havertz is any day now at this point, isn't he? Yeah, Havertz is just the um, the announcement. It's That's that's done. His, his one foot is out the door. We're just waiting for... A, the actual announcement from from Arsenal. So yeah, that's done. I think you can put, basically put him on the list of, of already outs. Ruben Loftus-Cheek has travelled to Milan for a medical. Fee agreed there. Hakim Ziyech, I think, is very, very close now to completing his move to Saudi. Same with Edouard Mendy. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they're done by the end of the week and announced by the end of the week along with Havertz. So yeah, by the end of the week and by this sort of June 30 soft deadline that we've we've kept hearing about, they're, they're going to have got a lot of players out already. Yeah, I mean, there's that, I think we've all seen it by now, right? That photo of the Champions League final and like everyone's grayed out except for the handful of remaining players. Unfortunately, a lot of people are graying Mason out at this point, you know, trying to get ahead of it. That might be an, an agenda thing for them, depending on who the fan is. 
but uh, th- there's just been so much movement. I I've personally been impressed at the swiftness. A, they were very opportunistic with the the Saudi Pro League opportunities. Uh, they they found deals uh, to be had very quickly that were mutually beneficial. The number of weight, the dollar amount of wages that are being pulled off the books, um, the overcrowding in certain areas, the pitcher being pulled off the books as well to give Pochettino a much clearer runway as he runs in the season. I don't know if you know who is kind of pulling the strings on the outgoings right now, Matt, but I'm I'm genuinely impressed at how it seems quickly and efficiently this going. It turns out we can juggle deals, huh? <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm impressed too, and I think they deserve some credit. I would say I think they've got a bit lucky with Saudi. I don't think six months ago anyone saw this coming with Saudi. I think maybe there, there was thought that Saudi, after Ronaldo, might go for a couple of sort of big names to offer them a retirement home. Um, but I don't think people at Chelsea kind of foresaw this, particularly months ago. I think it's come along and, and been quite lucky. But you're right, they've been opportunistic. Todd Bowley went over there and immediately sort of struck uh, a bit of a deal to, to take as many players out there as they could physically uh, shove their way. And it's, it's bailed them out because when you look at the players who are going to Saudi, with their wages, with the fact that Chelsea wanted transfer fees and with the fact that Chelsea wanted deals done quickly there's no way without Saudi they'd have managed to do this you know you're, you're not going to find European clubs who could have done the numbers on on a Koulibaly particularly with his wages and his age and everything else so they've got a bit lucky but they've taken advantage of the situation really well and I am impressed I'm impressed that they someone like Kai Havertz look I think I tweeted this the other day. I think you know on, on the show that in, in Chelsea colours, I've never now for about the past 18 months been the biggest fan of Kai because I just don't see it happening for him at Chelsea with the way they want to play him. I actually think he could be quite good for Arsenal, but I think it's a win-win deal. Um, I don't think there's a loser in that deal. And I'm just impressed with the fact that they were they were decisive to sell someone like Kai and get in a big fee and not a manar about it and not not worry about it and, and actually just get it done and not try to stretch it through. A little bit of necessity, of course. But yeah, I, I think um, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by how, how they've managed to sell players because I thought it was going to be a real summer of struggle for them on that front. And actually, you're going to find that as, they, as it ticks down um, towards when pre-season actually starts, which is next week, the squad's not going to be that in terms of size. The squad's there's going to be a few outliers, but the squad's not going to be that far off in terms of the right size for Pochettino to start work with. Yeah, I think that very fortunate with the Saudi Arabia League, but at the same time, like did it though, got it done right. Didn't finesse, didn't haggle, like found a way, made it swift. Uh, obviously, a lot of outgoings the priority right now because they want to, you know, balance the books, as people like to say. Uh, we're not in Europe next season, so the European FFP is, is delayed for a little bit. But obviously, there's long-term success and growth that they want to do. The big boulder, so I guess there's a lot of pieces around the squad that still need to go, and I'll touch on a second, Matt. But the big boulder is still Romelu Lukaku. Uh, digging his heels, wants to stay in Italy, ideally in Inter Milan. Inter Milan trying to do the loan plus buy option the following season. Chelsea not having it. Um, Chelsea clearly interested in Onana as the goalkeeper, but apparently Manchester United are entering that race now. 
They want Trevor Chalaba. They want Aspilicueta. Surely these two clubs can find a deal, right? That like works on both sides with all the amount of players involved. I think they will find a deal. I don't think it will necessarily involve deals and players involved in the same deals, although I think there will be some back and forth with players. I think they will find a deal. I think Lukaku will will end up back at Inter Milan. I don't know how quickly, um, but with the best will in the world, nobody really wants him to have to return to Cobham at any point next week um, or the week after. He's been on some international duties, so I'm not quite sure on, on the date of his scheduled return. Nobody wants that because everyone realises it, it wouldn't be ideal um, at all and could provide some negative energy around a time when the club want to start with very positive energy. I, I, I know there are talks this week. I know there was a theory that this, this, the second half of this week could be quite key to Lukaku's future. I'm, I'm assuming that's with with Inter. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think he'll end up there. It might have to be a loan with an obligation because otherwise you've probably got to sit and wait and see whether Inter can sell an Anana or someone else and bring in the money and then whether they're willing to do it. So if they want to get this sorted out fast, they might have to agree to the loan with the obligation. Um, I don't think Saudi's fully off the table. I think he hasn't accepted it at the moment. I think if we were to get a lot further down the line in the transfer window and nothing came with Inter Milan, he might still end up going to Saudi. And that's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for Inter because Chelsea now have a club who who are it's Al-Hilal in Saudi. Um, Chelsea now have a club who are prepared to pay quite a sizable transfer fee for Lukaku to sign him permanently. And so obviously that muddies the negotiations with, with Inter because it's not a one-club race. And you've got one club, even though it's a place where Lukaku isn't particularly keen on going, they are offering a permanent deal. Which checks the box for Chelsea for sure. Uh, very different uh, approach from this ownership group, right? seems like they don't want to do the loan, 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 extend, loan, loan. They're like boom, move. If you want to go, like, is it just a Lukaku thing or do you think this is more of the approach from the club? They seem quicker to just sell players and move on. I don't know. I think we're going to have to see over a bit, few more transfer windows how that plays out because I do think there's a there's a case of necessity here, which they've they've got themselves into a situation with the size of the squad that they, they built through the last two transfer windows. So we're in a stage of necessity. The... This last summer's transfer window strategy was completely different from the January stra- strategy, which they seem more keen to to keep going moving forwards. And now they've got to clear the deck. So I, I would like to probably reserve judgment there on whether this is how they'll always operate, because I think they're operating from necessity at the moment. Um, but you're right, they talk a lot about not wanting to do the loan, loan, loan. They, they don't like that model. They've, they've made that pretty clear. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I got you on that one. But we're going to take a quick ad break. When we get back, plenty more of who might be going out yet this week. So thank the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Bird dogs make you look good. That's right. Bird dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restrictive cotton. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So look, I've got a pair. Dan's got a pair. Nick's got a pair. We actually love them. But not only do you get Bird Dogs right now, if you buy, you get a free tumbler. That's right. You get a free Yeti tumbler. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com forward slash pool, P-O-O-L. 
Enter the promo code P-O-O-L for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Matt. Well, a few other names. Uh, it seems like when Koulibaly left, the defense was almost 100% locked and ready to go. It sounds like the Tiago Silva maybe going to Brazil things have cooled unless you have something different. Otherwise, Trevo is the last name that kind of is ruminating around of will he, won't he go, and Interblon is who he's connected with. Yeah, I mean, we've, talked, we've spoken about Trevor before, and I think for his own sake, it it would be a good time for him to move if he could get a club. I mean, Inter Milan for Trevor Chalobah would be a huge move for him. Let's face it, you know, the Champions League finalists, they're going to be fighting for Serie A title for the next few years, you'd imagine. Um, it would be an enormously big move for him. And he would be able to live in the city with with Ruben and with... Uh, Thick. Uh, with Fikayo, yes, with Fikayo. I forgot his name for a minute there for some reason. But yeah, so it would have a lot of attraction. So that would be really, really interesting. I do think the club would, would take bids on Trevor for sure, um, whilst probably not looking to sort of force him out the door as well, if you understand my, my meaning. Because though they've got Gusto now, they've got that sort of, that that versatility covered in the in the defence of someone who can play, because Reese can obviously play on the right of a back three if Poch ever goes to a back three, which isn't his favoured system anyway. They've obviously got a backup right back, so they don't need a centre-back who can move out to right back so much. Um it feels like it's covered off. I think the starting pair at the start of the season, there's a good chance will be for Farner and Colwell. Um, and then you've got Thiago in reserve, potentially, and Badia Shile to come back from injury. So, yeah, uh, it would make sense. It would make a lot of sense. Well, um, obviously, some good memories of him. He, there's that flexibility because, especially with Ruben going, N'Golo Conte is gone, Mateo Kovacic is gone, Jorginho left in the winter. We've got Enzo in the midfield, people sniffing around Connor. I think it'd be pretty wild to let Connor go at this point. Connor's, Connor's an interesting situation. Connor's one to watch through the summer because I'm told that um, Poch and his staff think that Connor has a lot of qualities that they can work with and that they're quite excited about. But I'm also told it's still not out the possibility that were a very good bid to come into Connor that Chelsea would consider it, particularly if at that point they'd brought in a Caicedo or someone else. Um, and of course, Connor's wishes come into this a little bit too, and, and Chelsea's incoming business might might relate to Connor's wishes. So I think Connor's a really interesting one to watch over over the summer, just because I think he could actually go one way or the other. He could emerge as a real sort of project of Pochettino's from what I hear. And, but on the other hand, he could still actually leave. So it's kind of one high to the to the low, you know. So I think he's interesting to watch. I think you need to factor in Andre Santos into the midfield options from what I hear. I think there's a real, real excitement. We've spoken about the fact there's a real excitement around him. And I think he will... I think he'll be round the first team squad and I think he'll be challenging for first team starting place. I think that's how highly they see him and that's where they they see his place in the squad this season. So I think he has to actually be named within the the sort of the possibilities in that midfield. Well, 
I would say great for him. Uh, we definitely need bodies, by the way. He is uh, just recently turned 19, Andre Santos. Uh, I continue, Zakaria went back on loan. Um, so Mason Mount, we'll get to him in a second, up in limbo. That really leaves you with Enzo, Connor, which might be on the shopping block, and Chuck Wameka is like your center mids. And we know Carnes is much more of an attacking player, not box-to-box or sitting this is gonna be an area of massive rebuild in the team just in general we've almost turned over the entire midfield uh this this year matt so that that is is gonna be something we have to figure out i'm just surprised i guess that there's so many people potentially going it's look it's the midfield turnover has been something that a lot of people who watch chelsea for a long time have been calling for for a long time the midfield for quite a few years now, even through periods, little periods of success, um, just hasn't looked quite right. There's always been obviously a lot of talk about Declan Rice. We know that Tuchel wanted Rice. I know that actually Graham Potter would would have liked Rice. Um, we've known that they've been looking at this area and that there's been, because of the contract issues and the ages of Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante, it always felt like this day was coming that there was going to be a massive turnover. I mean, obviously, I think the plan was, well, I know the plan was to keep Kante. So they'd still like Kante in that mix right now. Um, and I've got Jorginho and Kovacic. So that makes it interesting as to whether it's it's just Caicedo and then and then stick with the, the other options or whether it has to be Caicedo and even one other midfielder by the time of it. And again, that, that might feed into way what Gallagher does. So, yeah, the midfield is an interesting area, really interesting. And I think maybe the midfield situation has potentially taken the attention away from the goalkeeping area, which you might not be pleased to hear about. But I think I still think there's... I don't think it's out the realms of possibility that they sign a goalkeeper. Anana, for whatever reason, who they were strongly interested in, it's gone a bit quiet and a bit cold. I know they keep making checks on Mike Mannion at AC Milan. I know that there's been questions asked and, and discussions on him as recently as the last week or so. So that interest hasn't gone away. I just think the priority of it may have slipped slightly from, from when Pochettino first came in and the goalkeeper looked like one of the big priorities. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit concerning with as many other teams looking to get into the goalkeeping uh, race, you know, obviously, especially if Manchester and I can't figure out what they have, if they want to stick or twist, uh, and some other, other teams as well, you know, with Edu going, I mean, Gaga, Keppa, and Bettinelli, is that how we want to start the season? I think obviously, ideally not, um, you know, so they're going to have to kind of shake out and see, see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think again, with how much inner want, I think even AC Milan, there's deals to be done. I think they've way overpriced them, at least publicly with Manon, but they've got their own issues, right? And AC Milan, as far as uh, their their manager and everything that they're doing as well. So uh, it's a bit of a rocky ship for them. Um, yeah. What about attackers? Just a round of outgoings here uh, before we can talk about the incomings. Um, uh, let's see. Ziyech seems to be all but gone. Kai, like I said, just waiting on the announcement. Uh, anything on a bombing? I know you had bits and bobs was the official quote from the last update from you. <laughs> so Abamyang, I know they turned down an approach from Galatasaray who wanted to take over the last year of his contract with Chelsea still paying a percentage of his wages. And then they would obviously take it from there. 
Chelsea turned that down. Chelsea still want a fee at the moment for Bamiyang, uh, which they can get from Saudi Arabia. Um, Bamiyang hasn't turned down Saudi Arabia. It just hasn't progressed yet. I think he's still trying to see exactly what his options are. They've obviously dwindled since January when I think there was some Spanish interest. I think the season he's had has, has dwindled interest. I would expect him to go, obviously. Um, but... Yeah, a bit like Lukaku, he's not going to rush into Saudi. Um, Vido is making it difficult outside Saudi to find find too much. And you've got to see whether once they get into pre-season training, whether Chelsea's stance changes on on necessarily demanding a fee for Bamiyang too. Pulisic, uh, AC Milan have been in London when they agreed the Loftus-Cheek fee. There's been some talks over Pulisic. I think they're quite a way apart on valuation over Pulisic. I still think there's a very good chance Pulisic will go. Pulisic clearly wants to go. I think they want to sell him. Um, so, yeah, that's that's still one to keep an eye on. I mean, there's so, there's so many. It's quite, it, it, it does make your head hurt when you try and actually think of them all off the top of your head rather than having them all written down and crossing them off. Oh, I've got roster in front of me. All right. I've got transfer market looking at, at this, this day organized map because it, it is a massive amount uh, of players, but it, it is needed, right? Like there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, with Pulisic, you probably I'd love to know. Um, I'd love, sorry, just to interrupt. I, I would I don't. I've I've tried to look at this, and it would take me hours to do it without a, an easy tool. But I would love to know what the biggest sort of cull is in Premier League history in terms of a club just culling players. I think Liverpool had a quite a big one in yeah. maybe Klopp's first summer. Um, but I mean, it's I. It could end up the biggest sort of cull cull of players in, in Premier League history. I'd have to go back and. Certainly senior players as well, because I think a lot of the Liverpool ones were maybe kind of squad, a lot of squad players and reserve players. So, yeah, it, I'd just be interested in that. And as I say, there's not an easy resource to find that out, and it'd take me hours to go through it all. Well, I just think we should ask Transfer Market on Twitter, so I'll do that here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Pulisic was a man on fire in the Nations League. For someone who really hasn't played, I watched both the Mexico and the uh, Canada matches and he was sharp, he was fit, and he was motivated. So never bet against a man that is looking for a new home this summer. He's clearly invigorated to make sure everybody knows his potential. Uh, and he, he did it. He had a great World stage. Cup. He had a great World Cup. He looks he looked sensational at the World Cup. Yep. Yep. So, again, that's probably mutually beneficial at this point. I would say as you look at kind of the amortization, the deals, Chelsea aren't a good spot to offload these players where they're still actually making some profit on these players. Um, not every single one, but like the deals are really falling well uh, into their favor when you kind of like look at what the book value was estimated to be left on these players, which is, again, really impressive. We're talking many, many, many millions of of millions of wages off of the books. It's really going to clear up, I think, a lot of flexibility for the team. But as you as we just mentioned, there's some 15, 18 players that are either gone, returned, you know, the loans not extended or still potentially going to be leaving, which means, Matt, there's a lot of room for people to come in. So we're going to talk about that here in a second when we get back from our break. Thank you to the sponsors. All right. Uh, can we sign Mason Mount? I want I want to count him as an incoming. I want to re-sign Mason. United yeah. back with another bid 
And you said something that scared me, if I'm just going to be honest with you, that apparently Chelsea are looking to decrease the fee they want for Mason. Mm, I don't think I said that. Right. I don't think I said that. So right. what, what? I'll talk you through what's happened. They have decreased their valuation once already. So after the first bid of $40 million that went in a week or so ago now, um, Chelsea countered it saying, rejected it immediately and countered it saying they valued him at $70 million plus, which had been the briefing kind of leading up to United's bid that that was the valuation if anyone came in for Mason. The second bid came in, um, which was 45, 40 plus five to make it 45, I think, or maybe 45 plus five to make it 50. And again, Chelsea immediately rejected it and stuck to their valuation. Now, the third bid on Friday, which I reported, which was 50 million plus 5 million add-ons, Chelsea didn't actually immediately reject that. It took them a lot longer. And when they did come back and reject it, it came back with a 65 million valuation. And they actually proposed a structure of 57 plus 8 and also suggested a face-to-face meeting to try and get it sorted rather than have United just keep bidding and bidding and bidding and to try and get around the table. Now, United didn't respond to that immediately, but um, I've just put out a story today that United are going to have more talks with Chelsea this week. I don't know if it's face-to-face in the same room. It will either be face-to-face or it'll be over video call. Um, And that United are still saying they won't go above 55 million, but they might be prepared to negotiate around the structure of a 55 million and that they won't go near Chelsea's 65 million. So they're still quite a bit apart, but they're going to talk this week. Chelsea have already come down once and United are now talking about potentially being able to negotiate the structure of their third bid. I just get the feeling that this is going to get done eventually somewhere. I mean, Mason Mason would be due in on Tuesday, I think, because he's had no international football. And I think there is a want from United's end to try and get something done so that he doesn't have to go in. Um, and from Chelsea's end in terms of the talks, I think they just need to be on a sure footing of the situation in case he does have to go in so that everybody knows exactly where they stand if he does have to go in. So it's still complicated. Um, but it, it feels like there's been a little bit of wiggle room since, um, from Friday onwards in both camps. So I'm not saying Chelsea are necessarily willing to drop their valuation. They have dropped it once. And when, when you drop it once and say, well, well, let's get together and talk about it, it would suggest there's room for further negotiation. But that's that's me surmising on that point. Yeah, no, I get that point. Um, it, it lingering is the, is the worst, right? And, uh, you had the good tweet just reminding everybody if Mason's here this season, he, he's going to give us all right. And he's, he's not going to, Oh, that's yeah, that's absolutely definite. If for whatever reason, this move either stays on hold or actually completely falls down, he's not going to not return. He's not going to request to stay away. He would only stay away if the club told him to stay away. And I don't know whether that is a possibility. I hope not. But um, he would only stay away if the club told him to, if the club and Maurizio uh, named him in a travelling party for pre-season tour, he would go. 
there's going to be no funny business from his end. That's absolutely for sure. Which is in line with him as a human and his character. Like, no surprise there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest, I put that story out and I've got to be honest, it's almost a non-story because I was, I was writing exactly what I would expect uh, the situation to be. But because of the way social media works and everything else, sometimes you just have to underline these points a little bit when there's uh, some nonsense flying around. Yeah, well, obviously, it's good to be grounded on that. Uh, all right, I'm not going to dwell on that because that is not how I want to start my Wednesday. But Moises Casado, it sounds like Chelsea concrete interest, feel like a deal can get done. Obviously, we need midfield reinforcements. Premier League proven, young, extremely dynamic, kind of fits that profile from the January transfer window. But he's probably not going to be cheap either, Matt. No, he's not going to be cheap. Um I mean, Brighton, if you speak to people at Brighton, they will tell you with the Declan Rice deal as a pointer that they they value him over 100 million. Now, nobody expects the actual fee for whichever club end up buying Moises Casado to get that, but it just shows where their starting point on negotiations are, which means it takes a while because you've got to come down a fair way to get to a point where someone's going to actually get get a proper bid in so it, it might not be easy i think it's pl- easy from the player side i don't think personal terms will be a problem at all there's a suggestion they're even already agreed there's a willingness from him him to come and play for chelsea even though they're not in the champions league and the season they had so that that's not an issue the issue is getting a deal done with brighton and i don't think even though brighton have given the lad his word they will sell him. I don't think Brighton is still going to make it easy. There's no clause there. Um, and they've seen the Declan Rice deal and how much how much that has gone to. So that will embolden, embolden them. I do kind of slightly just have in my back of my mind and the whole Caicedo thing is, are we going to find at some point that Chelsea face some real competition for him? It feels weird that Chelsea would have a clear run at Moses Caicedo, given what a fantastic player he is and what a fantastic season he has. And the fact that so many top teams are in need of midfielders. Um, It just feels a little bit weird that they would have an absolute clear run on him. Um, I just have that niggling fear that someone might. There's a very good relationship between Chelsea and his agents. His agents look after Kendry Payas. His agents look after Nicholas Jackson. They've been doing a lot of negotiating recently. They've done a lot of business together. So that's all good. So it does all point positively for for Chelsea at the moment. All right. Well, uh, obviously, an an important part of the rebuild. Uh, I think he would go do quite well under the the high output uh, required under Poch, which is good. Uh, You just touched on Nicholas Jackson there. I know Kendry Paez and a couple of these young players coming up, or, you know, we'll talk about in a future episode, maybe in a couple of years. At this point, they're so young. Nicholas Jackson, though, any day. Right, waiting for this one to drop. VRL striker. Um, obviously, you touched yeah. on him with Nick. We don't kind of need to get into, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see the details. We did a nice breakdown with CFC Central on kind of what the player he is. But um, from your stance, is this all but confirmed on your end? Yeah, yeah, it's all but done. It's all but done. So it, it would just be a case of an announcement at some point. I know there's theories on whether it's better for them to announce before June the 30th or whether it's better to announce after June the 30th which years accounts you can make a case for both. I don't know if that's a big thing on the announcement or or whether they just need a few deals to actually be confirmed. Um, 
to hit the button button money wise. But yeah, it's it's done and it's there and it's it's sorted and he's he's coming in. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. He is coming in as a number nine, I'm told as well. I mean, he can play a few positions, but I am told whether he's the only number nine or whether he's the necessarily the starting number nine, but he is coming in as a number nine, I think. Yeah, him and Broya, based on his recovery, we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, yeah, Sam on CFC Central said he's this actually a winger that is now converting into a number nine. Um, so we'll see how that kind of goes. It, anyways, um, uh, here's a fun one that you will really appreciate. Darren Bent via TalkSport said, I think Harry Kane would love a move to Chelsea because of Mauricio Pochettino. Light it on fire, Matt. Give us the gas. <laughs> Certainly not going to happen this summer. No chance this summer. There's no way that Daniel Levy will allow that to happen. So the only way that becomes a possibility is if Harry Kane gets into the final year of his contract and runs it down and becomes a free agent. If he becomes a free agent, I would expect Chelsea to try. That's that's as much as I can tell you. I would very much expect them to try. Um you talk to different people around Harry Kane and you get told different things as to whether he would be prepared to risk his Tottenham legacy to go on a free transfer to Chelsea or not. You, I've heard arguments both ways, so I wouldn't like to predict that. But I would, be, I would say confidently that if he becomes a free agent, Chelsea will try. But I don't think that's necessarily Pochettino-dependent or linked, you know, actually. I, I, they obviously have a relationship, but I don't think that would swing Chelsea's interest or even necessarily swing his decision. And, you know, a lot would depend. He certainly wouldn't move to Chelsea while they're not in the Champions League either. He's not moving from a club not in the Champions League to a club not in the Champions League. So there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge before we can quite get there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, like I said, we, we touched on the goalkeepers coming in earlier, but are there any other kind of like surprise connections you've heard? Obviously, it's been quite quiet because of the focus on outgoings, and maybe they kind of want to see where it settles before they really kind of plant their flag on who they're looking to sign. Yeah, I mean, it will, it will all depend as well on whether, in terms of incomings with midfielders, how much they spend, whether they look for a, more of a number two than a number one. I just said to you that I know... There's a lot of conversation still going on around Mike Mannion. I never fully believe that clubs fully pull out of players they've been really interested in. So I'd be surprised if there's nothing around Andre Arnana now, although clearly it's not as, as hot as it was. But I, I'm always very wary of supposedly pulling out of, on, on players when there's so much transfer window to go. I do find it interesting that David Rea hasn't ended up going to Tottenham because I think everybody thought he was going to go to Tottenham. Um, they'd agreed personal terms with him Tottenham had he wanted the move and then they just wouldn't do the fee and they went for Vicario instead he was a lot cheaper so David Ray is very much on the market I haven't heard anything recently but that could come around and then of course you've got Robert Sanchez who fell horribly out of favour at Brighton who I know that Ben Roberts who is still a Chelsea goalkeeping coach at the moment is a huge fan of whether you could a club could get Robert Sanchez on on a cheap deal and almost bring him in as a double number one. This is literally me speculating now. Away from Mannion and Anana, I'm speculating on Raya and Sanchez. But they're they're two goalkeepers who look like they will move. And the clubs who maybe I expected them to move to doesn't feel like it's gonna happen for them. So yeah, it might be worth keeping that in backs of mind. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's, it's wild out there, kids. Be careful as you look at rumors and what we're connected to. Uh, I've, I've seen even Imeric uh, Laporte from City, which I'm not sure how that would work out. Um, no. uh, we're, we're seeing... I mean, there's, there's been some historical interest in him, so I don't know if that's where that's come from. Yeah, City, classically, uh, you know, they, they, they do deal, but usually it's only to Arteta because of his relationship with Pep. Uh, looks like we're going to sign a Brazilian talent named Angelo from Santos, another one for the future. Neil Bass still getting involved with the transfer market. Love to see it. Yeah, I've got, I mean, they, they signed so many of these kids from South America and overseas at the moment that I, I, I don't know anything about most of them, quite frankly. Same. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll just uh, trust Neil Bass and, and see how they go in. Um, I mean, we haven't we haven't touched on one of my favourite subjects, Kalani, at the moment. And it feels like Kalani might need a loan move somewhere. He can't have another season like he had last season of, of barely playing. So Kalani is probably one who, maybe later in the window, because they can't afford to let him go without midfielders in. He might be something that they look at in his situation later in the window as to whether they're going to sort of do anything there. But I would expect that would only be a loan if they did. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I opened the door earlier, but uh, he's definitely, I hate to say it, and it's not in a mean way, but he's lower in the pecking order of priorities to keep or move, but it's also because he's he's super flexible. Um, two things kind of club specific. So obviously the Blue Co announcing that they have acquired nearly 100% of Strasbourg in France. Uh, that obviously opens up a lot of different things. Matt, the multi-club model has been activated officially. I don't know if Chelsea have moved under, you know, the UK government uh, structure where they're under Blueco, but we know that this is Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital going after total domination. Yeah, I mean, loads of clubs are doing it now. It's not just the traditional top four or top six. I mean, my own club, Villa Under V Sports, have just bought a Portuguese club uh, not so long ago. Um, they're going to buy more clubs. It's Newcastle are going to buy clubs. It's going to become really, really common. I think I've got. A, there's a, quite a lot of controversy about it over here. There's a lot being written about it in England about whether this is good. Not whether it's good that Chelsea do it. Whether it's good as a whole, as a global thing that this is happening. Um, and I did see that there was some Strasbourg ultras protesting against Todd Bowley after the the sale went through. Um, they're obviously not that happy about it. So it's, it's quite an interesting times with the multi-club. But I do think if you're going to, with what Manchester City have built, if, you, if you've got any ambition to at any point match City or beat City or do what City are doing, then it's, it's a route you're going to have to go down um, to help revenues, to help coaching pathways, to help development pathways to help global brands, all sorts of things. Um, it's going to become more popular route for everybody. So it was only a matter of time. I mean, as soon as they bought the club, they made it very clear that they wanted multi-club ownership. We've been talking about it for about a year. It was only a matter of time since, since they started. I think they're looking at Portuguese clubs. I think they'd probably like a South American club if they could get one. You would imagine they'd probably quite like a, an MLS club at, at some stage as well within that within that set up so yeah there's going to be more of it and it will probably continue to be a little bit controversial 
Yeah. Well, and, and understandably, right. And we had a good chat with JJ, you know, to break it down. And like he said, like, if you're Strasbourg, you always want to be the top of the multi-club model pyramid. They're not, but you know, they're going to have access to a lot more resources and actually just cash to, to sign players and grow. So hopefully it's a net positive. Um, they're continuing to drive this forward. My question is, do you feel like that's why we kind of have two sporting directors, two technical directors, 16 goalkeeping coaches for <laughs> all these different players because they're going to now like kind of spread it out a little bit because now there's going to be more work kind of under the umbrella. Not on the coaches. It, it's nothing to do with the coach. I just, I just had to take a shot at the number of goalkeeping coaches we had. <laughs> I mean, I, I forget now because Christopher Vivelle's actual role changed a little bit after he, he came in. Um, but certainly one of the sporting directors or technical directors are called, have, have got the global element to their their title. I'm pretty sure they have. And the global element means looking after stuff in, in the entire entirety of what is now called Bluco. So, yeah, for the executive level and a sort of director and, and technical director level and all that kind of thing, it will mean that work is done by some of them over there and, and that will account for the fact that they've got such a big sort of technical staff, but it won't, it won't be first team coaching staff uh, like that. It'll be interesting to see just how many, given they don't like the loan model as such, uh, it will be interesting to see how they use these satellite clubs of whether they use them to loan players or whether they don't use them to loan players at all. And they, they just, City don't loan an awful lot of players to, to their satellite clubs. It's more to bring young players into them and then to judge whether they can then move to City or whether they can then move elsewhere to help a revenue stream like that. So, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're, we'll continue to keep up on this. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, obviously, for, for different reasons. Uh, we also talked about the shirt sponsor. That seems to go quiet. Also, it wasn't really well received. There was um what what was it where like the the Premier League clubs agreed in principle to just essentially stop having gambling shirt sponsors, but it was a voluntary thing and it was by like 2026 or something. Yet here Chelsea are looking at stake. I think Burnley have a betting one. Two or three other clubs have betting ones. It seems like the clubs have almost reversed off of their kind of public declaration from last season. Yeah, I don't know whether they've reversed because the, the agreement remains in place. And I'm told that everyone remains committed to that agreement. And that So it's just one final the, run? <laughs> Cash in while you it, can? I mean, it's pretty much that. And some people will find that vulgar and grotesque. And some people will will just accept that, that that is the way of the world, that while you can get the most money, you, you get the most money. And sadly, and it's more a reflection of society, the most money you can get at the moment from most firms is from gambling firms. I mean, obviously, there are some very premium brands who some of the bigger clubs can get who aren't gambling firms. But sadly, a lot of them are gambling firms that you can get the most money from. My club, Villa's just got a gambling uh, sponsorship, which I, I don't agree with either. So it does look like it will be stake. Tell Chelsea haven't confirmed it. If it is stake, it's expected to be some sort of one-year bridging sponsorship deal, whereby it would give them the capacity to look again uh, over the course of the season because they've had some problems. They've had a couple of deals fall down, one with a cryptocurrency, which could have provided its own controversies, and one with Paramount over the sort of clash over 
what broadcasters you're allowed to show on your shirt and all that kind of thing. I don't know how far down the line those were, but talks with other companies clearly fell down and left Chelsea in quite a difficult place. Alliance came in, but Alliance offered very, very little money in comparison to what they could. So you were looking at, do you accept half the money that you were getting from three uh, and go with Alliance, or do you get pretty much a like-for-like financial offer from a betting company and, and sort of dance with the devil for a year a little bit? Um, and it looks like that's going, although, like I should say, it isn't confirmed. You would expect we will hear something official quite soon because uh, 3's sponsorship with Chelsea should uh, run out on, on June 30th because that's when it was contracted up to and we know that they're not continuing. So I don't know on June 30th whether that gets confirmed or whether they just quietly disappear or what, but yes, uh, it should all be fairly clear fairly soon. But a, a lot of people will be pretty upset if it is stake and, you know, I think the club are aware of that and they they realise why and I certainly realise why. Um but I don't know if those concerns that have been voiced are, are going to be enough at this late stage to have changed anyone's course because there might not be another sponsor out there at this stage, quite frankly. Right. They almost need a, a, a bridging one, and, and they're probably going to take the easy deal, which which came in that way. The Paramount Plus one would have been fun. That would It looked good on the front of the kit, but you know, Premier League blocked it is kind of our understanding. Too much conflict with NBC's U.S. streaming rights and probably other streamers around the world. Yeah, I mean, people have got very annoyed at the Premier League about that, and I can see why. But also, Chelsea should know the rules. Um, and wasting a lot of time on negotiations with Paramount, I don't think, looks particularly clever. They should know that they should know which companies are going to get through and which companies aren't going to get through. Um, and I don't think it's a surprise that company wasn't going to get through. So. While I understand the anger at the Premier League over allowing betting sponsors and not not a Paramount sponsor, I do also think maybe Chelsea have, have wasted a fair bit of valuable time on something they should have really known was was a waste of time. I agree. Uh, I wasn't the least bit surprised, uh, but our group chat was a fun discussion uh, going back and forth <laughs> uh, about that. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot's going on. Uh, I'm sure we missed something. Anything top of your head, Matt, that, that we missed? That a lot is going on. on. I was trying to, I was, as you were talking then, I was trying to think, is there any other business? I mean, we should mention the fact Pochettino starts work on Monday. He officially becomes Chelsea head coach on July the 1st, but he actually officially starts his work on Monday. He'll be in a Cobham. The players start coming in from Tuesday. The Pochettino, Pochettino era starts on Monday. We will see some Ooh. video content from him, from the club, I would imagine. You'll see some interviews with him. Um, we might even get to talk to him at some point next week. So it's been, because of the way the appointment dragged and because of the, the gap in between, it's almost got forgotten about. But, you know, this is the most important thing. I think pre-season, I can't give away too much because I've got something I'm going to write about this soon. I think pre-season could quite look quite interesting uh, for Chelsea and to Pochettino. Um, they let's say they don't they think outside the box as people do, um, and I think there's going to be a few interesting things in past on pre-season, which I, I think people will will be pleasantly surprised about actually. I can't wait. Obviously, links to Matt's social in the description. Uh, when you said that, it made me think. Oh, man, what did you make me think of? Starts on Monday. Oh, 
Uh, we had too many cooks in the kitchen at Cobham last season. Graham Potter had to take like an out, like an office in the annex. He got extended. Any idea where uh, where uh, Potch is going to be? I figure he's the guy who wants the window overlooking the training pitch office. I mean, that's that's his vibe. Yeah, I just thought that's that's his vibe as well. I don't I don't actually know, um, but I don't think he'll have any problems with his office i don't think they ended up building any more lockers or changing rooms because i think they decided quite rightly that the solution was not to build bigger locker rooms and dressing rooms the solution was to bring the size of the squad down and as we've spent a long time talking about even with some outgoing still to be done that size of the squad has come down so i don't think that pochettino is going to have problems with people having to change in corridors and things like that um i think that will all be okay the players are coming back in tranches as well There'll be a first tranche from Tuesday, people who haven't had any international football at all. And then depending on how much international football and when the international football was, it's dribs and drabs from there. And as you well know, it's all working then towards flying to the States on July the 17th. Yeah. Well, we will be there uh, along the way to cover it, uh, which we're super excited about. Uh, we'll find a way to get you involved. Don't worry, Matt. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up. Another Matt Law <laughs> update in the books. Thank you, sir. Enjoy uh, probably a few more outgoings for us to cover. So we'll keep an eye on the socials for you there. Um, otherwise, it's holiday weekend for us, Matt. Um, not to make it a sensitive subject at the end of the podcast. It's holiday weekend there. Fantastic. Yeah. We've, uh, it's not holiday Day? weekend here, sadly, but... Oh, okay, okay, yes. Uh, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, we've yeah. got. Do you guys like the cricket? We've got the Ashes going on. We're all watching no. cricket. No, it, uh, yeah. it 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 doesn't really make much of a ripple here uh, stateside. Obviously, no. there's plenty of um, expats and things like that that are interested in it, but you know, not really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping Chelsea don't keep me so busy that I can watch a little bit of cricket, if not all of it. Oh, enjoy it. Uh, I hear the weather is quite nice this time of year, so uh, get out there and enjoy the sun map. But anyways, uh, we'll be back. More content yet this week as always, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.